listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at ipcrx.com. That's ipcrx.com. Okay, 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 okay. Can you believe it's Friday already? Are you kidding me? This is uh, starting to become disturbing. I don't know. The starting to make myself sound like that old man uh, just turned 50 in six months ago, seven, eight months ago, whatever. But I'm just saying it's this week in pharmacy. There's a lot going on. And, um, Assembia is getting ready. I mean, Assembia 2023 access. We are so excited to be part of that. Pharmacy Podcast Network will be at Assembia Vegas. Uh, that's April 30th through May 4th. If you haven't registered for the Assembia conference yet and you want to understand what's happening in the innovation of specialty pharmacy and the business of specialty pharmacy, that is a place uh, to show up at and go. It's amazing organization. We can't wait. Uh, Brady and I will be out there and um, we're ready to interview people that are moving us forward and are doing amazing things specifically in rare disease state support, especially pharmacy, PBM reform, Capital RX will be on. Um, Today's uh, episode, we're proud to have IPC coming on. They're going to be working with Pharmacy Podcast Network through Bruce Nealon, which he's just incredible podcaster. One of my most favorite shows, Pharmacy Crossroads. Check it out, pharmacycrossroads.com. Bruce Nealon's show. We're going to have on today's episode, um, our our third guest will be um, IPC's CEO, Mark Asenza. And and really, part of the transition of what's happening in pharmacy is community pharmacy is an enormous part of it. That's today's episode is dedicated to all about independent community pharmacy, specifically building cash-based programs. And I want to go to the news first because this ties into what's happening. Um, We had uh, Pitt um, right here in Pittsburgh, a prescription, a little publication within the school. um, And they had um, a biweekly blog where they're talking about how pharmacists are doing work that our public has no idea about what they're actually doing. And sure enough, they uh, go down into the description of what is happening in some of the future um, of, of pharmacist roles expanding. And this is now being much more evident 
and what we're seeing happening today, especially with community pharmacy cash-based programs. So kind of ties back to that. I also want to give a shout out to our um, brothers and sisters over in the UK. Uh, the One of their leading um, publications is The Chemist and Druggist. And if I've been paying attention to what's going on in the UK for, for some time, and they're going through similar um, evolutions of their pharmacists and their role of their pharmacists working with their practitioners and their physicians. And it's titled, Why I'm Optimistic About the Future of Community Pharmacy in England. Uh, this, just, this article just came out, and sure enough, they're talking about the roles of pharmacists expanding and their community pharmacies expanding. Their payment system is completely different. It's not tied into PBMs uh, or anything like that. So if you haven't read that article, please look that up. It's, it's an excellent article to give you and pay attention to what's happening in the UK too with their community pharmacy efforts. <clears throat> Before our, our special guest, which I'm so excited to have her here, Heather Harrow. But before she, Heather comes on, Tyson Drug Company shares its success with other community pharmacies. This is happening, people. Community pharmacy is changing. Today is about this cash-based business focus and what you can do to bring value to your community. But CPSN, this organization, which has been now around for, what, about 10 years now, it is gaining immense amount of steam in, in the members of CPSN. This is a, this is a testimonial to, um, to Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and how well they're doing in building out these medication adherence programs and the packaging and the, and the, and the evidence uh, data back to um, the study here at Drug Topics. Take a look at this article, Tyson Drug Company Shares Success with other community pharmacies. Wow. If you aren't excited about being a community pharmacy owner, you might be exhausted, but I'll tell you what, it's things are about to change even more so and accelerate, and you have to be committed to that change. It's not gonna be easy, that's not what I'm saying, but the opportunities that are out there right now and are coming, um, this is why I'm excited about our first guest today, um, Heather. Harrow from uh, Diversify RX, uh, the next evolution of business support programs for our community pharmacy. Uh, and they're almost like a lab where they test what works, um, what doesn't as community pharmacy owners. And then they basically broadcast and support those programs out through their membership. The one and only Heather Harrow, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Doing good. I unmuting would be helpful. <laughs> there you are. There you are. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Unmuted. Able Unmuted. to speak. <laughs> With the pharmacy badass shirt. Uh, That's on. right. That's right. Those are, That's famous, what we're those are our favorite shirts. Second pharmacy favorite. Badasses. U.S. Farmy. We have to get you one of these shirts. Yeah, of course. Please. I will. I will rep it proudly. Awesome. So. The news, uh, we were talking about Tyson Drug Company sharing its success with other community pharmacies and how the clinical services that they build through some of the CPSN programs is making a difference, which is terrific. But what I'm talking about today is imagine a community pharmacy having three, three core revenue streams, okay? They have their dispensing revenue streams, which are 
the ones being attacked and dwindling. Mm -hmm. They have their clinical services revenue streams, which is extending things like home care, specialty care in the home, um, remote new, patients, uh, monitoring. like all that clinical stuff. But then right. the third is this cash-based businesses that bring additional value to the community pharmacy, which the community the communities are begging for some of these services. So this is what Diversify, Diversify RX does every day, day in, day out. You are this laboratory, like I was saying, I think that's a good analogy. Your guys are a laboratory to find out what works and what doesn't in community pharmacy. So if people don't know who Heather is, I want you to take time to say hi to our listeners. Hi, friends. So my official title, my uh, big title is CRO. However, I work primarily with, well, I, I'm lucky. I get to work with exhibitors for our Pharmacy Profit Summit, and I get to work with members um, on their marketing. Um, the the thing that I love so much about um, Tyson Drugs sharing their successes is I think that we need to do more of that and, and sharing exactly um, the strategies that help other pharmacies. So I think there's a myth or a misconception, especially when you're being beat down by something. So we, we all know this is no secret. The PBMs, it feels like they're beating down on us. And yeah. so it's hard to, to continue that story in your head. But as more folks begin to be successful and they begin to hone in on these exact strategies and we share them, then we kind of take back our power and we can then control our destiny um, in, in our pharmacies. And that's building value for our communities. Yep, exactly. And I want to see things come out of this that um, that other pharmacy owners who would, they're learning through your your memberships, they're learning through your consultancy and some of the ideas that are coming through. Uh, I really enjoy seeing your members become speakers, <laughs> and then they become like testimonials to programs that they've actually helped to invent. And that's for the what's one of the reasons why I gravitate towards DiversifierX. You're not trying to invent everything by yourself. You're trying to find the best of the best, polish it, test it, and then get it out to other pharmacy owners so that they can start having success with these programs, you know, overnight and immediately. That's and exactly right. I mean, we all know that independent pharmacy is each pharmacy is different. Even if you own multiples, um, that you still can't do a rinse and repeat on some things. Now, some things you can, you know, some business rules are just business rules and you can succeed with those. But the nuances, the niches of some of these pharmacies are so different that you, you have to be able to create community, um, to be able really to really success. And I, to really succeed. And I believe that the successes that our members are having and, and shoot, quite honestly, you know, other, you know, we pick up on other things, we can combine that all together and folks can create, um, create the programs, the strategies that are working for them. Um, you know, we love to share our, our members' successes, just like you were saying, but not just the successes. I mean, we all love the good feelings, the huggy feely, we're so positive, kumbaya feelings, yes. Um, but I'm so proud that we get to share the strategies, the ABCs, the one, two, threes of what's working and what isn't working to make these programs successful for, for our members. Well, 
I like the whole profit uh, forwarding ideas, which means that in order to put out a program that DiversifierX has tested and tweaked and kind of brought back with all of um, all of the brilliance and the 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 reference, the data that comes from some of the studies that you do. So now you have these profit programs to really take us to the next step. So are you almost teaching pharmacy owners to start thinking this way? Is this part of Diversifier X is to really kind of like reinvent the way that pharmacy owners think? Um, I don't know that it's a reinvention of them. I believe that it's changing mindset through action. So we're giving you the steps, our courses, programs, coaches. Um, I can't say enough about our coaches are teaching folks to have success through execution, not not just mindset. And, and of course, mindset plays a huge role, but you can, I could be the most positive person in the world and think I'm going to go run a 5k tomorrow. If I don't ever get my fanny out there and start doing the strategies to make me 5k ready, then I just won't succeed. So we're super proud that we, um, we're, we're giving people confidence, empowering them through successes based on working, based on executing the plans. So the news that I shared before we brought you on, um, Heather, one of the articles was uh, bought through the Pitt Prescription, and it's part of the University of Pittsburgh uh, School of Pharmacy. And it says, the invisible work of pharmacists, what really goes on behind the counter? And, it, and it's about demystifying to the public what our pharmacists actually do. And I think this is part of the growth of community pharmacy, the the diversifier X level community pharmacy, the high performer. Yep. Part of it is public relations and helping to teach your community what you are capable of doing and stop assuming that you think that they know what you do because they don't know what you do. So when you invest in nutraceuticals and vitamin ad adherence packaging, um, you know, customized nutrient packs, like whatever you call it, um, your senior care services, your home care services, your blood testing services, all of these things that are coming to community pharmacy are ready to be marketed and ready to be communicated to your community that it all comes to the community pharmacy, all comes to the, to the local pharmacy that everybody trusts. That's right. I mean, we, we know um, without a shadow of a doubt that pharmacists in their communities make their, their communities better. But just like you said, um, we aren't as a whole industry very good at bragging on ourselves in our communities. And that needs to change. We need to take the position that we are the best at. We are the local experts in whatever the thing is that they have in their pharmacies, taking, you know, um, uh, the OTCs, the um, programs that you spoke about, um, and, and really scream it from the rooftops. And there's very clear strategies that you can do um, to, to do that. Um, start 
instead of these Facebook posts that show cutesy things in your pharmacy, begin to really absolutely share your knowledge. And once you share your knowledge, people will pick up on it. Use your local media. Um, You know, every single month, send out a press release. And and let me tell you, the first couple months, you're going to get nothing back. Zero. But the, the act of continuously doing it, being consistent, being the voice that people go to, um, will, will get you, um, the notoriety, but the well-deserved notoriety to be able to educate your community on these, on these much needed programs. That's right. Right. So drug take back day is April 22nd. That's right. Tomorrow. There's a perfect example of you getting a Facebook post, an Instagram post, a TikTok about What's happening in your community? Where can your community go to take back these medications and use that as a marketing opportunity for yourself? Because every time you bring more people and more attention to your community pharmacy, you're making it literally safer for them within that community because of your coaching of best practices, number one, and safety, and then number two, and just living better and, and through the therapies that you that you have implemented and that you're supporting. That's right. Well, and and to to go back to a little bit of mindset, we need to remember that this information is 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 not um, you're not bothering people. You're not a snake oil salesman. This is right. tried and true. You know, you yes. Um, so scream it from the rooftops. You have information that your community wants. So call the local news station. They're always looking for stories. Your local radio, AM radio, talk radio is still is still big in individual communities. Yep. Get on some shows. Um, and and TV as well. And it'll be a little nerve wracking in the beginning, but you'll become an old pro uh, very quickly. Um, so remember that drug take back, com- the community wants to know about it and you have the ability to scream it from the roof- rooftops. That's right. Yep. Sorry. So let's go back. Uh, met Lisa in her uh, previous executive role as she leveraged her understanding of what community pharmacies go through designing strategy um, then she launches a diversify rx we immediately gravitate towards the entire you know stories and the the manual and the strategy that she professed because it came from somebody who knew what they were talking about so actually is very hard on themselves she has a very hard time realizing you know and it's good it's it's good not to allow your ego to you know, take a company where it's not supposed to go. And that is not, that is not Dr. Lisa Fast. Her head is on. She's proud of herself enough that she doesn't want to take extra commend, you know, uh, congratulations per se, but being part of the pharmacy 50 shows us that her peers are saying they think that she's part of the, of the transformation of our, she's part of that transformation of what's happening in our profession. And that's, that's to become a, a guide, a coach, a springboard for 19,000 community pharmacies throughout the country. Well, and that's, um, she's amazing. We know she's amazing. Um, but that's really why our membership is formatted the way it is. It's not, um, it's not overpriced or out of a price range that a new pharmacy or a really struggling pharmacy that we can't jump in there and help them right where they're at. And, and, you know, let me say this, Lisa, she shares with us when pharmacies close and um, her, her answer is always, I wish I would have known. 
I wish I would have known because we could have helped. Yeah. Um, Lisa has a heart for this community more so than any other person I I have honestly ever met, um, and you know, I I am biased. I love her tremendously, but but her the way her brain works for the independent pharmacy um, is is second to none. She she loves the community that she's working in. She breathes, sleeps, eats independent community yeah. pharmacy. Yeah, she really <laughs> does. And so what? So when when I got to go to the very first Diversifier X event. Um, Profit Summit Live. Uh, I was so excited. So I am excited to return. This is the fourth or is this the fifth? Which one is this? So we had virtual live. This will be four. Virtual live. One, two. So this yeah, is Profit four. Summit. This is Profit Summit Live four. Okay. Yeah. So it's Pharmacy right. Profit Summit 2023. <laughs> This, it's our flagship event uh, held in Dallas, Texas each year. This year, it's August 4th and 5th. Is it Grapevine, Texas? No, we actually moved. I'm so thrilled. We moved to uh, the Omni Dallas okay. Hotel downtown. So yeah, we're, we're ecstatic that. about that. Omni, Omni Dallas. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so you can you can find out more at uh, Pharmacy Summit Profit. Dot com. You can find out all the questions, all the answers. Um, if you don't, you can reach out to us. There's ways. I mean, heck, I think I think we're pretty easy to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. All right. So cash-based businesses. Um, yes. We're shifting back to this gear because I have to bring in our. Yes. 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 But let me just say, it has been awesome working with you before Diversifier X. You and I met. And I've just enjoyed working with you. You are a sincere person. You're real. You're not fake. I can't stand fake people. I always like working with you. It means so much to me. And you always look out for us. So I always get an opportunity. And that's the, that's the philosophy of what Diversifier X has done. You guys have, have networked with champions. And then you kind of intertwine the network, which makes it even stronger. So yep. we do appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Right. Thank you for having me on. Have a good weekend. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. All right. So I'm excited. Uh, wait to, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil the party um, or, the, or the surprise, but let's remember, cash-based business is our feature. Wait till you guys watch this. That, that, came, that came to be the birth of the cannabis pharmacy. The birth of yeah. the cannabis pharmacy. That's actually what we're talking about this week in pharmacy. I want to welcome um, Josh. And Steve to the show. I'm gonna let them talk about themselves because I like I like talking about myself sometimes. So <laughs> I like telling my story. So I'm gonna start off um, with Steve. I want you to tell us what I mean. What are we talking about today? What is this week in pharmacy about? Today we are talking about cash-based pharmacy profits. Uh, what Josh and I do is we have a distribution company. We found the best cannabis products available on the market, and we aggressively marketed them and helped our pharmacists sell them. For six years running now, uh, we service about 700 independent pharmacies nationwide uh, based out of Charleston, South Carolina. We are a very, very small family-based company, and really our entire goal is profitability, ease of use, and helping your patients. Yeah, and I'm going to step in here a little bit and just introduce myself. I'm Josh. Um, uh, Steve's a fast talker, so um, be prepared to listen well. Um, 
You know, we're we're gonna talk about cannabis, obviously. Um, and Steve Steve hit the nail on the head. And 420. With hey, right? <laughs> Steve hit the nail on the head with um pharmacy profits and and ended it there with patient results. And I think that's really a lot of the conversation that we'll have um is getting results from your patients, having them take the right products and get results. And then getting them back to purchase again. Oh, thanks. You can see me a little bit more. Uh, getting them back again to actually Looks repurchase like these products from the pharmacy, therefore creating those profits. And I think there's a lot that we've learned over the past six years mm -hmm. of being in business together. And we've learned a lot the hard way. We've been able to see what works and what doesn't. And that gives us a special view. Um, the time is now to transform pharmacy. Literally, it's transforming. I see the um the pharmacy students changing they're always looking to what the next thing is they're pushing innovation they're going to be part of the future the future of independent community pharmacy in 10 years from today and i mark my word this you heard it on this show is going to be completely different paid than than what and then how it's paid today because we are Absolutely. in pbm wars right now and PBMs are gnashing of teeth because they finally are being exposed for what they've done, the three biggest PBMs, to our, our drug market and taking things really hostage. Um, I feel very strong about it, <laughs> as you can tell. But you are presenting an opportunity to move away from the, uh, the independence on the individual prescription fee in order to really build a brand and a community awareness and an education as an educator, because pharmacists are educators. You, you're first, a pharmacist's first number one duty. Do you know what the number one duty of a pharmacist is? To do good is what I understand. <laughs> no, it's, Help their patients? <laughs> it's medication safety. It's literally to keep you from dying because the, the physician made a wrong, you know, dosing form Sorry. or he or she didn't understand, you know, what, you know, what they were, whatever. But so the change you know, is happening now. Exactly. It's happening it's now. Right now. And you yes. guys are giving an opportunity to step away from that stranglehold and build a business around um, cannabis. And, and I'm excited about that. And we take a unique view, too, because we're in the pharmacy, working with the pharmacist, working with the staff teaching them how to interact with the patient, teaching them how to figure out what products are best suited for them to get the best result, figuring out how to approach to get the best outcome. And, you know, without that lack of education and what we're bringing to the table with our program and support, it's, it's, it's been crazy. It has. And that was really the genesis of the pharmacy program is this genuinely is medicine to us. And, you know, there are a million and one people out there that are selling cannabis products to any number of places. Yes. God bless them. They're still fighting the good fight. But to people like Josh and I, this genuinely is medicine. We've used it medicinally in various forms for our entire lives. And really what we found very quickly six years ago when we started this was people are not comfortable talking about their back pain or their anxiety to someone at a smoker vape shop or any other. Right. Yeah. These people trust their pharmacist. Yeah. They know you. You know them. You know their children's names. And ironically, you're also very familiar with their health issues already. And that's something we found is a lot of these folks have tried the medicinal route through pharmaceuticals. And for a lot of people, it has helped. And, and thank God for that. But for a lot of people, it has left them often in worse shape than they were when they started. Or at the very least, they've offered, uh, they've suffered from a lot of side effects um, that are, are arguably worse than the, the symptoms. And of, of the thousands of pharmacies that we've literally walked into with our team and ourselves, 
most of the pharmacies have engaged in some sort of cannabis program, have tried it, attempted it. There's several that won't try it because they're still not comfortable with the legislation, but a lot of them have, and a lot of them have had success, and a lot of them have failed poorly, and it's because they didn't have the support. And every day that goes by, every pharmacist realizes that they have to have a cannabis program or their pharmacy is going to fall behind. And that's kind of where we try to bridge that gap is to educate them and show them how you can make this work with the right tools and the support. I think there's an education opportunity too to the public. Um, I think of pharmacists are accessed nine times more than their primary care physician. So sure. you see your pharmacist nine times more than you would see your your doctor. And that's an opportunity. So that's an opportunity for education and it's an opportunity to de-villainize what marijuana and what cannabis was done back in the what was it the 60s or 70s where they really had a campaign to push this awfulness of this 30, substance that was never 33 was 1933 i think was the last the last year wow. the last year yeah so we tell we tell pharmacists all the time it's like hey, it's, been, it's almost been 100 years since pharmacists were able to teach their patients about using this plant medicine it's it's crazy and, and it's wild though we've been to several of our pharmacies some of the oldest pharmacies when where we're from in south carolina and they have tincture bottles that mm -hmm. are more cannabis tinctures from pre-1930 era. And they say the exact same thing that our bottles say as well. They say inflammation, anxiety, sleep. So and, this is a very, very common use way back then. And then obviously we've kind of lost that. And, and shout out to Barbara over at Garen's Pharmacy in Somerville, South Carolina. She actually is the oldest pharmacy in South Carolina. No uh, been around. I don't want. Don't quote me. I think it's 1860 something, it's, something like that. Long time. I think in the same building. Honestly, it's, it's right in the Main Street. Pharmacy. Garen's Pharmacy. Garen's Pharmacy. Garen's Pharmacy. Barbara, she's the owner there for a long time. She has this giant selection of cannabis in her pharmacy. She's been a student to our program, and um, you can go there and talk to her about what you got going on. And she takes the time and the passion. Um, to help you understand what you're doing, just like she does with the rest of the medicines in her pharmacy. Right? That's why this is for pharmacy. That's why as a company, we decided to work with pharmacies was because this is where patients go to talk about their health problems. Yes. And more and more people are figuring out every day that you don't want to go to the smoke or vape shop because you're not going to get the same answers. You're probably not going to get a quality product. You may or may not. Right. And so the companies that we work with are all publicly traded companies. They're vetted. Right. They, they love standing behind their products and the facts that they're marked individually with lot numbers and expiration dates. Every time there's a lot of legislative change coming for regulatory process of these products. And I think it's important to know the companies that you represent um, that we do as well. I'm excited that you're both um, involved with the network and that you're going to be providing us with a conduit um, to really unpack some things that I'm curious about, but I know that our pharmacists are curious about. Our pharmacy technicians are going to become the lead um, and the um, probably the replacement of what we all say and sometimes derogatory, we call somebody a bud tender. And so, you know, sometimes it's derogatory. Sometimes it's literally a, a really good person that understands it, but the pharmacy technician, and I want you guys to listen up to this out in the audience, but you have an opportunity to become experts in dealing with non-medical suggestions as a bud tender does today but doing it in a very scientific evidence-based way because sure. you're saturating and all of this pharmacist engagement and understanding and content and, you know, understanding where to access the information, but you'll become the 
the super bud tenders. You know? And, and we, we, we have our own phrase, Steve dubbed that it, it's the cannabis rock star, right? We, I, we star. identify within a pharmacy, the one, two or three folks and nine times out of 10, it is a pharmacy technician or it might even be the girl up front or the guy that actually is doing more interaction with the patient than the actual pharmacist does. I mean, it's very common for us to educate the pharmacist, obviously, but really we focus a lot on those cannabis rock stars that are really the individuals that are, are talking to the patients. And those are the ones that are the conduit a lot, nine times out of 10 to the patient about which product to take. And that's what we tell them, say, you guys are, are literally the front line of defense against chronic illness here, because when we go to a pharmacy and we set them up the way we love to set them up, the display case is right there by the register. Yep. The marketing and educational materials are right there by the register because we want people to start asking y'all questions. And that's so important is the, the generation of interest and questions are really the only the only thing stopping anybody from getting help through cannabis medicine is they're either afraid to ask or they're afraid of the stigma of asking, or they just don't even know what question to ask. And that's what we get a lot is somebody will call us on the bat phone, which is what we call a 24-7 hotline, mm -hmm. and say, hey, I honestly don't know a single thing about this, but my daughter told me I need to start taking CBD. She didn't even mention why. And right. We get a lot of that, and that's where the education matters just so much. And that's why the pharmacies and the pharmacy techs and the pharmacists themselves are such in such a great position and so poised to help people way more than anyone in any other institution. As you mentioned, you only see your doctor once or twice a year or when you're sick. You go to these pharmacists regularly, they know you so intimately that they know how they can be best as long as they're properly trained and educated. And, and, and hats off to you too for kind of letting us come in and join and share some of this stuff. We we think it's real important for people to hear and learn as we're doing every day since we started this. And so, you know, thanks to Pharmacy Podcast Network for having us come in and, and just share and be a part of helping other people learn what we're learning too along the way. I think, right? I, you know, I'm a, I'm an internet Googler and I, I like to search people out and ask questions and, you know, find out who people are before you <laughs> kind of get into the inner circle. But um, you, your background, your reputation, um, the, the transparency of both of you since I've begun working with you and, and, and that it's been refreshing as well as um, my own, testimony of being a customer you know and you giving me the 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 um the kit the starter kit, samples the samples <laughs> and literally what what you were expressing and not exaggerated you neither of you exaggerated my experiences but you kind of told me it was gonna happen and, and some of those things did it did in fact happen i had good feedback and reactions to the products so that's important as well as the organizations that you're a part of and that you're um, connecting into Pioneer RX uh, Pharmacy Management Systems. I mean, we work with their parent company called Red Sale. And Red Sale, as you can see up there, we always have Integra X Files. That's that's one of their long-term care pharmacy podcasts that focuses on the advancement of um, accessing through their new system access the the best information to run your long-term care pharmacy. So that. Um, amazes me that you've become part of a family of everything kind of transforming this industry and making this industry better. And really, I know where your hearts are because you keep talking about your patients, but that that's where I want this to, to draw is I want this to lead to better outcomes for patients. And I want it to be healthier outcomes because we know, as I, as I believe, that the pharmaceutical market and giving a pill for absolutely everything at all times is not the right way to go. There needs to be a blend of pharmacological and integrative. And I think we've ignored some of the integrative for so long, or we, you know, um, 
demonized it back in the 1930s. Um, so now it's time to bring it out from the from behind the street corners. And and like I I I love my own experience story um with marijuana. Like I didn't try it until I was 38 years old, like as a late bloomer. But I entered at a time where um I was extremely stressed out. I was going through um the ending of a divorce. Um and I didn't know what to do. I was resulting to drinking more than I wanted to. And um, I almost thought I had a problem, but then I went on a self, um, no alcohol run for about a year. Good for you. And thank you. And during that time, I tried cannabis. And um, then I began, because I had a bad uh, feeling about it. I still, I was still under my mom and dad's, um, you know, feeling about, smoking marijuana and stuff, but I realized quickly that um, as infrequently as it was to start me out, it literally helped me feel um, happier um, uh, than the, than the law I was going through and the depression that I, I think I was going through. I know I was going some through. of those pills that you might've been taking. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, I was never into pills, but definitely alcohol. And I, yeah. and I made it for an entire year. And actually the reason I started drinking again was it was my, it was a wedding. You enjoyed it. Too. You enjoyed it. But I love. But I love because you enjoyed it. What it right? taught me that, especially the topicals and especially administration. I can't wait to get into discussions oh, with yeah. guys with administration. That's so important. Because when you say marijuana, my father's generation, my grandfather's generation, grandma and everybody, um, they immediately think that you're sitting there, you know, token on a joint or smoking a they, joint. They call it the and, real stuff. On the yeah, street, they the call it the real stuff. stuff. The real stuff. I mean, yeah. The topicals <laughs> and the roll-ons. My wife, uh, shout out to Nikki. Um, she uses that roller. Um, you know, every every night. If I can get, if she asks me, can you please put the roller on? And uh, one out of five times, it could lead to something else than just. Rolling it on the back. (laughs) It's the number one way we get, we make believers out of non-believers. If you have pain and you rub one of our topicals, specifically that 1500 roll on from Green Roads, man, it works. I mean, we have just converted so many people. It's wild. So it's it's impacting my life in a personal way. And it's backed by and should be part of the decision-making of my most favorite people in healthcare which are our pharmacists. And when I can blend the source that you guys are going to become for us, and you're going to be an outreach, whereas if pharmacists have questions, they can reach out to cannabis pharmacy and say, Hey guys, help me with this, this, or this, you know, um, legislation per state is very important. We want to hear from uh, pharmacists um, about any of your state associations working to change any state laws around uh, cannabis and demystifying it and making it, um, you know, uh, making it usable so that a community pharmacist, an independent community pharmacy owner that wants to make a pain topical recommendation that wants to be not non-opioid driven and use the opioids for a very, very short time and titrate and get ready onto the next thing, which is more healthy medicines and healthy topicals and digest. I mean, diet and you That's know all goal. of that stuff. That's our goal. So I mean, you're part of that now. So it I'm is. I'm excited uh, you guys are here. That's really what this boils down to is we've become very, let's say, linear as a society as far as 
this hurts, take this pill, this doesn't hurt anymore. And that's really not the, the true answer to, to general overall health and wellness. And that's really what we believe the cannabis plant represents is CBD, cannabidiol, which is the, the largest compound in the plant, is nothing more than a very powerful anti-inflammatory agent. So the cool part about that is everybody out there listening and, and watching knows that inflammation is the root of all evil in this world, right? All of the illnesses I have, my anxiety is inflammation in my neural pathways. My knee injury from playing rugby is inflammation in my knee. When you're treating that on a core basis from within, when you're taking the CBD products, that's when you're actually going to be finding full relief. And, and we get a lot of people that start taking CBD for one particular thing, and then they call us and they say, wow, I also didn't realize I was sleeping better than I've ever slept in my life. I also realized that when a rainstorm came in, my, my back didn't hurt. So it's, it's really cool to see the, the whole health of the plant that's really helping everybody. But, but coupled with the right dosage and the right product, because so, so, so many times the patients have come to us and say, hey, yeah, I tried that. Right. See, it didn't, it didn't, didn't do anything for me, right? You know, we ask them, hey, which one did you take? How long did you take it? How much did you take? And it's, oh, I don't know. Right. And so there, there's a lot to be said about just saying, hey, CBD helps. That You know, it's just like anything else that's in the pharmacy. It's got directions on it, right? And so I think it's really important that we shine a lot of light. And as we're talking about these products and we're going through all the educational stuff, that the application, the dosage is just so, 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 so important just like yeah. anything else. Oh, gosh. Doing. And all you pharmacists out there know that patients are the worst at following dosing. <laughs> and from what we found, to be perfectly frank, you pharmacists are much better. Really. We have certain doctors are the worst patients, and we have lots of pharmacists that call us six, seven times before they get their dose. <laughs> once you find that dose that works for you, that's when you start to see true homeostasis in your body. Yes. The incredible thing is the dose is different for every single person of CBD to, to achieve your best self. We have little old ladies that take several hundred milligrams a day yep. and they're dancing around like the people are out. Yep. And, and we've got big old firemen down in Charleston that need a significantly lower dose that, that I personally wouldn't even recommend for a child, but they're particularly sensitive and their cannabinoid receptors are active and engaged and they need a, a much smaller dose. So it is, it is very dependent on your body chemistry, which is why not only the education is so important, but also the willingness to actually commit to it and try for an extended and, period. And follow up too, you know, it's no different. You know, your pharmacist follows up with you after you've Mm -hmm. had something happy, maybe taking some medicine for a certain reason. We train the same way. You know, when Miss Smith comes in and she tries a CBD for the first time and you recommend for her to take it a certain way, you got to ask her how it works because yep. she may be like a lot of other patients where she was taking 25 in the morning and 25 megs in the afternoon and, you know, it was helping a little bit. You know, she was kind of liking a little bit, but it wasn't really what she was looking for. And if she would have just bumped her dose up to 50 megs in the morning, 50 megs at night, mm -hmm. she would, you know, we've had those success stories. A lot of what we bring to the, our experience is from talking to real people like me and you in the pharmacies or that have called our hotline from the pharmacy flyer that have told us, this is what I did. This is the result I got. And a lot of people in between where it didn't work. And then we're trying to identify why it didn't work and then recalibrate and re, you know, convince the patient to say, hey, you know, look, let's try this again, but let's do it this way. And, and a lot of our program within the pharmacies too is the same way where a lot of pharmacies had success at this at some point. They had CBD, it was going great and pre-COVID, then COVID happened. And a lot of products expired, buying habits changed, the doors closed, right? Yada, yada, yada. And so even now we see where we're trying to bring pharmacies back to life that had a little bit of success at one point in the program. And really that just boils down to uh, having the right products, having the right education, having the right marketing materials um, and the support too. And that just boils back down to follow up with the patient. If we're not having the patient come back and say, yes, this was working great or um, not come back in and purchase. And again, we've lost, you know, and I think it's important for the pharmacist to understand and build their own success stories based off of their own patients too and their own individual success too right? and, and that's what we always tell the pharmacists you know we the joke is especially here on 420 first it's always free right? <laughs> when we meet a pharmacist we love to give you guys yeah. samples. try for yourself samples. Your samples because 
what they always tell you is when a plane's going down, you put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I know all the pharmacists and farm techs and, and frontline workers out there really yes. need to remember, myself included, anybody that's service oriented, you always need to remember self-care is incredibly important so that you can do what you love to do the best. And that's really why we tell all these pharmacists, farm techs, and, and front desk workers, hey, you absolutely have to try these yourself. You have to feel the relief. The, the patients that are listening to you tell your own testimonial story. Yes. You feel that enthusiasm. They're going to see in your eyes that you slept better that night. And that's really yep. why they need to drive so far home. And it's happened countless oh, God. times, yeah. right? And so <laughs> that's why we're so passionate about it because we've seen what this has done to so many people and families and moms and kids and yeah. pets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I want to uh, give a true. shout out and just, if you're listening to this podcast, you're watching us on Twerks um, and you have a suggestion for a topic specifically tied to uh, cannabis medicine, cannabis in general, CBD, um, give us a shout out and let us know, um, go to at pharmacypodcast.com, um, or our website or any of the at pharmacy podcast on, on Instagram, Twitter, um, or maybe also... even, a, a, a experience you want to share too, right? I think yeah. we build a lot of conversation off of people's experience, maybe whether it's positive or negative, or, you know, it kind of helps lead you know, a conversation. I too, wish right? that we could put out a survey the 305,000 pharmacists that are active in the United States and find out their feelings on like three questions. And one of them is, are you a advocate or are you someone that's, that's regularly suggesting cannabis or um, CBD products? To see. Yeah. Because I'm wondering how many active pharmacists are using their pharmacological expertise to say, wow, this would really look, work good in this situation that it wouldn't have an interaction with this drug because I see what they're on. It's yeah. grown leaps and bounds yeah. over the last, you know, it's been six years, you know, late, years. late 17 <laughs> is when we came up with this beautiful idea. Right. But um, it, it is changing and growing. I think things like we're doing right now change and grow that yeah. every day too. So I think it's, uh, we're all doing our part. Yeah. And something we're <laughs> so proud of is that like, when you ask our pharmacists in the cannabis pharmacy family, those same questions, what they're going to say is, the reason I believe in it is I've seen it work in my patients and it's lucrative. And that's really, really what we Excellent. try to drive home is, that's what I want. and this is cash-based. You are not waiting 90 days for a reimbursement on this. When somebody buys that jar, you are getting that money right then and there. We are in the business of keeping pharmacies in business. We know y'all yeah. are fighting a good fight and you're fighting it against several big bad wolves. Hey, let's give them a shout out code about what code they should use when they make their first order on cannabis pharmacy. Uh, you know, I think right now we were doing 20% off of our starter orders. So P PPN20. PPN20. Yep. So yep. go to cannabispharmacy.com, put your starter kit order in, put your order in, try some things out. Give us the a worst call. thing that's going to happen is that you're going to sell these things. Um, you have to learn to promote. Wait till you hear the the show that these guys are bringing. Cannabis Pharmacy has joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Oh, Welcome. Excited. And you're going to be bringing us monthly shows on all things freaking cannabis, which yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be my... Oh, yeah. Uh, when the show was up and running originally, back. we've had three. This is the third. Um, they're actually three is my favorite number so maybe this is a this is a this is a good omen uh, sign we we have heard stories from a to z and so we'll be able to bring a lot of really great uh relatable stuff right. i think that real listeners real folks can listen to yeah and, and i think the um the inclusion of our experts in place that we've always sourced are going to become a big part of contributing to the information that we're bringing to Absolutely. the pharmacy podcast network Absolutely. because 
uh, we, we're going to blend um, science. We're going to blend uh, conversations about current events, actual um, cases. Uh, we're going to get physicians involved in some of our discussions. We're going to bring pharmacists on, obviously, but we're also going to access the business side of this and really telling our community pharmacy owners how to grow this business. Like, let's blow this up. I'm all here for with, it. With the support and with the right products. Service yep. and selection. Yep, that's our motto. Actually, it's under our name, service, support, and selection. And that's what we've learned painstakingly over six years is that pharmacists are busy. They need help. They got to have this. They know they need to train their staff. They know they need to know what to tell people. And they lean on us because we're the folks that have worked so hard to create that reputation and help them see that right out the gate. I want you to make them profit your first 30 days in business with us. I want you, we're going to give you samples for your first 20 patients that are taking pain or sleep meds and actually tell you to give it to them for free and tell them to come back next time and tell you how it feels, right? Awesome. Kind of jumpstart your program. Well, I'm excited. Um, this has always been a fascinating subject that I've personally um, always wanted more information on. So it's exciting to have two guys that are committed to it and committed to it for the right reasons. Absolutely. Uh, and I like that. Um, hey, if you haven't bought your U.S. Farmy shirt yet, <laughs> please go to usfarmy.com. 100% of this proceeds go to a vet veteran support organization in Fayette County here called the Dog Tag Club. A shout out to my man, Whip, who runs that for us. Um, and yep. we've raised over $3,000 so far. You got, an, so, got an extra large out there for me? I, I think I do. I okay. think we have to get you guys in these. Definitely a large for you, but you're a little, little bigger. And just to let everybody know, too, before we wrap up here, you know, uh, go to canvaspharmacy.com or just give us a call. Um, obviously, just mentioned PPN, Pharmacy Podcast Network. Okay. Um, we'll do a training with you, um, educate you on the products, kind of make some recommendations to you. Yeah, this is a whole um, program, people. This yeah. isn't just... Um, this yeah. is not just um we'll hold product. You in through the this process. is about yeah. this is an environment you know this is a network this is yeah. how we strengthen the profession of pharmacy by bringing good things to market and good things to conversations don't ever take our word for it go on our youtube channel we're uh, the cannabis pharmacy on youtube uh, about 15 videos up there half of them are just josh and i being nerds talking about products <laughs> and mm -hmm. what we've seen in the field we like the field our pharmacists the half is our pharmacists and our doctors talking about both in their personal lives with their families and in the pharmacy. And that's really the, the tearjerker stuff right there is you're going to see a lot of stories with a lot of success. As you and, and, and we've worked hard too to, to get our pharmacies that we work with over the past six years. Steve and I and our team have literally drove into 95% of them and know the owners and know the staff. And you can check that out at cannabispharmacy.com on the pharmacy locator. And it actually shows you all of our pharmacies. Yeah, you that, guys are really represent us, you know, I'm excited, which is awesome. All right. Well, we got to wrap up. Thank you so much for um, this segment of This Week in Pharmacy. Um, go to CannabisPharmacy.com. Put in um, code PPN20. Yep, two zero. Two zero. Yep. And uh, you'll get. Or give us a call. 20% off or yep. call them up. Thank you very much. Thanks. You guys have a great week. See you next time. This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at IPCRX.com. That's IPCRX.com. X.com.
Hey, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. What a special episode. I've been waiting for uh, Bruce to join me on my own show. Hard to believe, Bruce, but I've been podcasting for 14 years. I've never actually had my own show. It's always been another pharmacist or another guest or uh, host like yourself. So This Week in Pharmacy is is finally my show. <laughs> and welcome to my show, Bruce. Welcome to uh, This Week in Pharmacy. This is a montage. This is a collaboration between Pharmacy Crossroads and This Week in Pharmacy because, uh, Bruce, you helped us to launch um, Pharmacy Crossroads uh, more than, what, two years ago? And it's one of our most popular podcasts dedicated to community pharmacy. So welcome to This Week in Pharmacy, Bruce. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your your. Uh... I'm trying to think of the cliche, but it's your your big show. So yeah, the, the words will come to me in a couple minutes when it's too late, but happy to be here. Um, Pharmacy Crossroads has been a phenomenal experience for me. I think we started our first episode two and a half years ago. It would be August. It'll be three years. Jeez. And uh, right as the pandemic was coming and I couldn't get on the road and go visit any pharmacies anymore. So we took the road show on took the podcast show and here we are almost three years later I, as I counted I think uh, this one with with Mark which is going to be a capstone event for my career is uh, the 35th pharmacy crossroads podcast holy cow and yeah you with, just let the cat out of the bag um I, our special guest our we do have a guest. <laughs> we, we we have a really special guest, and it's an honor to be able to reach up into the industry and talk to people of this caliber who it's at the top of the pyramid in the in the pharmacy independent pharmacy industry. And Mark, and we're going to stumble over your last name again. And Sensa, is that close enough? You'll correct me. And we practiced this five times before, but I just don't have the ear for it. Mark popped onto my radar screen about four months ago when it was announced that he was uh, selected to be the CEO for the Independent Pharmacy Cooperative. And uh, after some finagling and pulling some strings, we were finally able to get Mark to find some time in his schedule and uh, and chat with us and kind of share his vision for what he's going to do as he takes the helm of IPC moving forward. And and. Um, uh, with that, Mark, I'm going to let you take a, a minute or two and tell us who you are and where you came from, and then we'll ask you the hard questions. Absolutely, and thank you very much uh, for having me on the on the show today. And uh, I'm certainly very excited to be, you know, in the position I'm at here at, at IPC and and uh, being able to carry on kind of the traditions of our organization, taking over from Don Anderson, who retired on uh, December 31st, and really taking a look at how do we grow our group and how do we continue to future-proof independent pharmacy uh, now and into the future and, and getting us uh, on a sustainable path uh, going forward. So uh, as you said, my name is Mark Essensa, uh, pretty good on the uh, pronunciation. I, I even mentioned before that uh, even members of my own family pronounce it differently, so uh, no insults uh, taken. But it is Mark with a C uh, because I am French, I'm French Canadian, so uh, it is Mark with a C uh, if you're ever trying to look me up or trying to drop me an email um, in, in, in the future. So kind of a little bit of a background. So I mentioned I'm Canadian, so I uh, started in the industry 26 years ago. Uh, I was actually working for McKesson uh, in Canada. So when I graduated from the University of Alberta with a business degree, uh, I started off as a warehouse uh, supervisor on the night shift in our facilities down in Calgary, Alberta. And then subsequently got a few promotions. I went up to Edmonton, Alberta, 
which uh, huge independent such, uh, structures up in Canada, a very robust independent market up there. Um, you know, Bear, uh, Daryl Cates was actually one of my customers before he became a billionaire and sold Rexall to, uh, at the time, McKesson. Wow. Um, he was one of my first customers um, up at Capilano Rexall uh, back in the late 90s. So moved around McKesson, Canada for until 2003, and I had the opportunity to come to the United States. So McKesson at the time got me what's known as an L1A visa, which is a company transfer visa. And I moved to Hartford, Connecticut, ran uh, the distribution centers in Hartford and, and the whole New England area. And then subsequently uh, went from Calgary, Edmonton, then to Hartford, next to Los Angeles. So I was in Los Angeles at our Southern California uh, distribution operations group. And then uh, we did a bit of a reorganization as to how we went to market and we wanted some uh, cross-functional leaders uh, at the company at the time. And so coming out of the distribution network as a director of operations running warehouses, uh, I went to vice president and general manager where I had responsibility for independent sales, hospital sales, and distribution operations. And I concurrently moved to, uh, to St. Louis, for which 10 years I was the vice president general manager for the North Central region, um, taking care of those particular classes of trade and customers. Uh, great, great experience, great cross section of, of the industry, you learned a lot there. And then in 2018, uh, you all may remember in the industry, McKesson uh, was the third large wholesaler to go into the secondary business and they purchased Masters Drug Company, um, similar to what um, you know ParMed is or, or uh, SmartSource is for Amerisource and Cardinal. So when the purchase of Masters happened in 2018, it was important that uh, at the time to McKesson um, to bring in somebody to integrate that company within the, into the McKesson Corporation. So I moved to Dayton, Ohio, uh, where I was situated for uh, for three and a half years in Dayton. And I ran the and integrated the, the Masters Drug Company, which had a lot of autonomy. I was, I was completely separate from the McKesson organization. Um, they allowed me to run the company the way it wanted to. They wanted to continue that model. And I think we were quite successful at it. And we uh, certainly enjoyed our time there. And I learned a lot about the uh, the buy side and manufacturers and secondaries. And certainly uh, our entire customer base at the time was independent pharmacy. So right. I had a lot of great, uh, great crossover information. At the time, I also was subsequently running our uh, Sky Packaging, which is our manufacturing arm for unit dose, hospital unit dose. And I also ran McKesson's 3PL business called RxTPL. So had a big portfolio, got to see a lot of different industry stuff, got to learn a lot about it. And uh, up until November of this year, when uh, the, uh, the announcement that came out that uh, I'd be taking over, I went through a process, a very short process with the, uh, the IPC uh, board of directors. So yes, the question: you know, How does how did Mark get to this position? How did he how did he come to IPC? Well, it just so happens that uh, as a distribution center manager and then a vice president general manager, all of the or a lot of the the uh, the key members of the board, I did their contracts for them. So um, that was part of my you know part of my territory. I knew a lot of those individuals, and I think they respected the way that I, I, I treated their businesses. They respected the way I negotiated their contracts, educated them on the industry from our perspective. And uh, I believe uh, successfully that uh, they thought that this would be a good fit for the challenges ahead, as well as the challenges currently within the IPC organization in order to take what Don has, has, has created and others before him and to take it to the next level. So 
happy to be here, excited, 25 years at McKesson, but uh, you know, the, the opportunity when the, uh, the board graciously uh, uh, offered me the position was a great opportunity for me and my family. I have a, a wife and a two, two, two daughters, 10 and 12 years old. I uh, started late in life with children and I live today, I live in Dallas, Texas. And I report or I commute back and forth to uh, to Madison as I need. And then, of course, as you all know, in this business, we travel to the different trade shows and, and we're all over the country at all times. And Dallas is actually a, a pretty convenient place for me to get anywhere. No, so. no better airport in the United States to travel the country from from Dallas. It surprised Absolutely. people if you if you take a line and draw from Seattle to Miami and from Boston to San Diego, it crosses right at Dallas. It's almost exactly in the middle of the country. Um, That's right. Well, I, I mean, you mentioned two or three things there that I'm going to just make you elaborate on. So first of all, you mentioned Rexall. I, I don't know that many of the people listening to our show would be aware that Rexall is a big, vibrant name in Canada. What What is Rexall in Canada? So Rexall, uh, I believe, is around 700 corporate owned stores under the Rexall banner, similar to what you saw here in the United States for years, uh, Pantone colors marketing, it looks very much the same. Yeah. Um, it was owned, uh, it was started up and uh, built out by a gentleman named uh, Daryl Cates, um, who grew that, uh, that, you know, that out of his independent buying group that he had at the time, Guardian and IDA drugs, he was able to, uh, he was able to uh, parlay that into this, this fairly large retailer. Um, and in back, I want, I want to say 2009, 2010, uh, I don't know it exactly, uh, it was purchased by McKesson. So Rexall is a yeah. corporate-owned entity in McKesson. Uh, and, it, in and it, you know, I think, I still think there's 700 Rexall signs over stores in the United States. It's uh, pretty hard to get some of these guys to take those old signs down. I, I love the heritage of it. I love yeah, the name. Yeah, I do too. I and, do too. Uh, I hope it does have some some longevity you know, well past our times in the yeah. field, so. Well, uh, uh, that's a, a wonderful introduction. There's several rabbit holes I'd like to chase down, but we, we're we gonna avoid some of my personal interests here and try to say, okay, okay. McKess McKesson and IPC, um, is that a good a, a good background for you to take this independent cooperative and and uh, help pharmacists future-proof their pharmacies? I love the future-proof word, that was great. Yeah, and thank you for that. So obviously, the you know the, taking over from the McKesson side of the business and coming over here, um, there's some benefits and there's certainly some some sensitivities to it that, that you can imagine go along with it, um, especially being an executive at McKesson you know, for 25 you know up to 25 years. I think where the crossover is and where it's really good is, is a lot of the relationships, as we know, um, in this industry, people are, are you know have different names on different business cards but they all have the same kind of a passion. And that passion, at least within our space and our class of trade, is necessarily knowing how do we sustain the model um, for independent pharmacy, which I've been uh, working on for, you know, since uh, 19, 2009, uh, when I got into the sales space. How do we continue to develop and organize that particular class of trade to be successful long and into the future? And I think what it's allowed me to do is being on the McKesson side, uh, obviously I was on their segment operating committee at one point on the independent side. So that's new products and services that are developed by their franchise, which is called HealthMart. Um, those are other franchises and other wholesalers. Um, also working and understanding how their PSAO works, also understanding 
effectively how the business of the business works on their side. And I think that makes me an effective uh, advocate for our members on our side, understanding what is our motivations as to what we need at the time and what McKesson in particular can provide or any wholesaler. So I'd have great insights into anybody in the, in the wholesaling industry, just knowing that the business models are, are similar. So having having those relationships over there, there you know, was not an adversarial leave. Uh, sure, yeah. I hope it was I hope it was disappointing, <laughs> you know, from an ego standpoint, I hope it was disappointing that that, that I decided to, to to move. But certainly the relationships are still there. Um, being able to know where to go, how to get work done, um, you know, when a member or the organization in particular needs something done, um, I'm able to hopefully translate all that a lot. And uh, and again, being so passionate, especially the last five years where I was outside the McKesson skirt on the outside, but still working with independent pharmacy kind of gives you an appreciation for you know, the financial models that everybody's going through today and how do we continue to look at how do we help on that side as well as we, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later and yeah. what other product services are we going to do in order to make our, uh, our independence that, stronger for the future. That's a good segue, but I do want to say, so it's been my play. I've been in the business for a while. And the thing that gives me the most confidence in your, in your background, is you say, the trust you have from your board of directors, it's been my privilege to, to know and visit almost all of the people who are on your board of directors in their pharmacies. And, and when they tell me that, uh, that they thought you were the guy, uh, I, I was convinced immediately. So uh, you've got a great board and, and we do want to talk a little bit about your ownership uh, situation in a little bit, but right now back to the best getting better. Um, name two or three of the challenges that we've got in pharmacy right now and how you think IPC's positioned to, to help overcome those for pharmacy owners. So, um, you know, taking aside and I'll get to the, the DIR hangover, obviously that'll be coming up here uh, and reimbursements, um, being that that's, that's effectively is our major challenge. But some of the things is, I'll start with the opportunities uh, as to how we can help to address some of these things. So. What I've been finding in the independent space is that as we have this halo effect coming off of, of COVID as to the providers that are out in the marketplace, 90% of all COVID vaccines being done in a retail environment, whether it's chain or independent, and how access to infrastructure within the nation is so much buoyed by what independents do on a daily basis. We started to take a look at, okay, how do we continue down this halo effect in terms of making sure that we're able to work with lawmakers, work with payers, and then work with networks in order to be able to sustain our model that we're going to have going forward. So we have a very robust government affairs uh, group that is specifically working on, uh, and there are industry people that you may know, and I'm sure you, sure you do with Mark Kenny and John Cavello, uh, as well as support that we have for NA, NA, NAC, or NA, uh, the National Association of Community Pharmacies, as well as uh, others. How do we go forward to advocate for for what we do, so we've been doing a lot of a lot of efforts in meeting with lawmakers for provider status, for uh, you know reimbursement rates, PBM clarity, those types of things. So those are an important part of what we're doing, and we continue to invest in that, you know, through the uh, the IPC uh, group in terms of making sure that we're getting our community pharmacies a voice at the table and to capitalize on this uh, halo effect that we have out there. Now, tactically, it's a little bit different. So. We're in the process and then we're working on it and it's not ready for prime time and certainly not ready to, to, to share widely in the market. But just conceptually, what we see is with things such as medical billing and teledoc services, telepharmacy, 
point of care testing, remote, remote patient monitoring, DSCSA compliance at the stores. We have, as an independent owner, you have all these factors coming in to you, multiple vendors on each one of those particular uh, uh, opportunities or issues, it can be very confusing. So what we're trying to look at as the IPC space is to you know, create an environment or an ecosphere where a lot of these things are bundled such that you have solutions for all of these problems with one domain to get to. Uh, and that's what we're currently working yeah. on uh, diligently. Um, you know, we plan on being able to direct members who are either picking you know, counseling patients or working behind the counter or are just absolutely overworked at the time who don't have time to put the mind share that needs to be into this particular space and to use what we do in our expertise and obviously as a group purchasing organization, leveraging contracts and, and relationships to put it all together. So that's what we're currently working on in order to be able to maximize the uh, opportunities for independent pharmacies to take advantage of situations that come up to them a la carte. So as much or as little as you wish to be uh, involved in it or what makes sense for your business, because not everything is going to fit everywhere. So I, I think that's I, one of the biggest things that we're working on. I, I love how you step through five or six things that are on the horizon that are real. And, and you know, an organization like yours has got the size and scope and talent, like say, to pull that all together and, and be able yeah. to take it piece by piece to members where they are and uh, eliminate some of the confusion. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting time for pharmacists right now, if they can figure out how to take that step forward into the unknown. Yeah. And, and my experience is that those who've done that are uh, making money and, and growing. And quite frankly, one of the biggest trends I see in the industry right now is successful independents buying other independents and, and turning themselves into many chains of five, six, seven stores. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's absolutely right. So we're here in 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 our offerings to to give them the best opportunity to get access to industry leaders and knowledge and 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 vendors that are going to be able to help them in that journey without having to go and through sift through them all themselves. the The other thing that we are working on currently to help with members, and this goes back to um, reimbursements and 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 it has to do more with the buy side. So, um, you know, we're a primary vendor uh, with McKesson, a very great relationship for a lot of years, and it will continue on, um, you know, in, into, you know, into the future as we hope that uh, we continue to move on with, with McKesson. That said, uh, you know, there's just certain amounts of things that any primary wholesaler can and cannot do when it comes to specifically on the generic side. And a lot of the opportunities that happen out in the market because of all the uh, turbulence within the generic manufacturing side with people losing awards or winning awards on the source programs and opportunity buys and programs going out there where source programs necessarily are at a higher price than you can buy in a secondary market due to the fact that it is a cross subsidized model where the WAC minus discounts are being paid for with generic margin uh, in some form or a fashion. So it always makes that secondary market more attractive. So what we're working on specifically is outside of the, you know, once you're into your compliance, it's not 100% compliance. So it's a matter of taking out for a walk what it is that you have over and above your compliance that is available to be purchased out in the market and to average cost down your entire book. And part of doing that is going through the IPC warehouse. And I know you just showed a picture of it there uh, on the cast here. Uh, the IPC warehouse is, is one of the largest wholesalers in the nation 
um, in terms of what we do. We have 2,000 um, members that are selling, you know, that are buying from us on the GPO side, and we have another 4,000 affiliates, which would be um, agnostic to whatever wholesale they happen to be doing. Um, at any one time, we're carrying $80 million worth of inventory on the floor. Uh, we uniquely have uh, branded products uh, that we do sell um, and are, you know, at a typical of cost right there on the website, cost less three, um, which, you know, on specific products is probably either at par or better than some of the differentially priced items out there, such as the things that are hitting us right now, like GLP ones or uh, other products that being able to access through, through our warehouse, not only helps your GCR calculation with your primary wholesaler, whoever that might be, but also getting access to some lower cost generics to at least take some of that cap that you have over and above your compliance of your contract out such that you can take advantage of it and, and, and help your overall bottom line. Um, so those are, those are some big things that we're working on within the warehouse. We just recently, uh, and this goes back to the tradition of the business, uh, the IPC warehouse always had a rebate. So whatever you bought from the IPC warehouse, you would get a, a rebate 45 days later and you know, being from the secondary industry, running masters and being on Trixade and all the platforms and knowing the entire secondary market, you know, you ask the obvious question, well, why do we do that? And it's, well, we always do that. We've always done it. And I said, well, the whole idea of the secondary market is cash flow and opportunity. Uh, and it's not the reason why wholesalers use rebates is to hold you to your compliance, <laughs> you know? So let's just go to net. And so as of March 1st, we went full net in all of our warehouse, uh, which makes it a lot simpler because you're not sending out rebates, you're not holding money. And it makes our product or our pricing in line with the secondary market to be more competitive. That's fascinating. I'm assuming you've got the mechanism to help make sure that what they buy from your warehouse and what they buy from their primary wholesaler, which I guess in this case is McKesson, they balance it all out so that they qualify for their, uh, their, uh, performance rebates. Correct. Right? We have we have specific tools. Now, we were only able to do that, obviously, with IPC members where we have data feeds and we help them to to maintain within com compliance with some of the tools that we do have and offer. Um, obviously, you know, three out of four dollars that come through our warehouse are, are not from IPC members. So um, that there, it's a matter of people have other tools in the marketplace that exist that are probably using that. Or there are some folks that, um, you know, they just uh, they're willing to go out and you know, not get the branded cost of goods, but being able to be a 0% GCR customer and shop the marketplace. That is becoming one of the largest models that I'm seeing out of the marketplace is a non-cross subsidized model of getting your brands at WAC minus three, but getting uh, your all your generics at net at secondary pricing. So you have to do and the math. It's a math exercise, but it is becoming yeah. more ubiquitous out of the marketplace. And to be clear, a person can, can buy from the warehouse without being an IPC member? Yes, anybody can. Anybody with a retail pharmacy license can buy from our warehouse. Um, they're called an affiliate member, but yeah, there's no no dues. You, know, you just basically go on the IPC uh, website and set up your account, and you'd have access to all 2,200 generics and 3,300 or 330 uh, brand items uh, and the $85 million worth of inventory that we have uh, access to in our warehouses. Our warehouse. So. So by side, you're helping as best you can, and you're trying to untangle the the maze of future opportunities. Um, uh, explain to me a little bit about the ownership. Uh, I know that one of the things that you wanted to make clear is the cooperative nature that your members are stockholders, and what does that entail and provide? How does that help you, and how does that help your members? Very good, and thank you for the, for the question. So. 
as a cooperative, uh, we are a true co-op. So we do not uh, we do not re retain uh, any of the admin fees that we collect as a GPO. We're a little bit unique, and this is where it's exciting for what it is that we do and the opportunity with our warehouse. Um, our member owners are the 2100 GPO members. So those are the members that are under the McKesson prime vendor contract that we have. That is what constitutes being a member. They have a right to vote in elections, uh, elect board members, uh, be board members. So that's what a member is. And they are the owner of the company and I work effectively for them. So what happens is, is that as you can imagine, all GPOs, the way they operate and the way they get money, is that they get an admin fee from their primary wholesaler, whatever that might be. It's usually a sub one percentage of net sales um, that everybody gets. And that goes to fund all your rebates team, your marketing teams, all those things that happen in any type of GPO come from those admin fees. And we're no different. So we're bringing in those particular admin fees uh, into the IPC uh, domain. And what happens is, is that our warehouse, because we service a lot of non-IPC members, including IPC members, does generate a, I don't know if you want to call it a profit, but creates a dividend for the members. And the amount of money that we produce in the IPC warehouse is greater than the expenses that we incur for running the GPO. So all of those admin dollars that are paid by our primary wholesaler come to us, are 100% dispersed back to the members. So they effectively, it's free, it doesn't cost them anything. So uh, all those admin fees, to every dollar goes back to the member and any residual over and above those admin dollars that were collected on their, you know, from their purchases, that is a residual from the warehouse is also dispersed back to the members is what we call the patronage dividend. So to the owners. And uh, so what happens is, is that we effectively on a yearly basis, we pay out 25% of the profits of that particular year. And then we retain 75% for three years and that three-year retention that we have of that money is what funds the $85 million that we have to have in inventory sitting on the floor. Uh, plus, we also have credit terms and all that, so it's not all of that. And then uh, each year in May, we release the, th the one year of the, the third year of uh, retained earnings. So come this May, our members will be dispersed their uh, 2019 equity. Uh, and then should somebody decide to leave, um, you know, the, the group, they can either have their equity paid out in perpetuity until it's all paid out, or they can, uh, with a discount, they can have it all taken out at any time. So, but it's a very lucrative thing. It's on average for a pharmacy, it's probably uh, 30 basis points for their entire purchase, maybe a little bit more. Wow. Um, that is that is what our historical dividend is, and it is growing because of the profits of our warehouse. So, um Speaking of your warehouse, it's my understanding that you have had two, you've consolidated that into one. Has that happened or is it happening? What's the status of that? That's a great question. So the, the reason why we had the two warehouses at the time was in order to create redundancy, should you have mechanical hurricane, storm, snow, whatever it is. It was really a misguided thing in terms of our working capital strategy. So we had to kind of correct that. Um, so there's really not a reason we have redundant uh, conveyors, we have redundant power supplies, all that stuff here, just like any distribution center would. Um, and out of the one or two times a year that we get a snowstorm, uh, it's not worth having the two warehouses. So the reason why we did the consolidation specifically is that we would have 50 million or $55 million sitting on the floor in Sun Prairie, which was our main hub. 
and a further $30 million sitting down in Phoenix. That Phoenix facility is now closed. It closed uh, on April the 1st. Um, all the product is now here. 100% of our orders have been coming out of Madison for several weeks now. Uh, all that inventory no longer exists. So what that does is, as we talked about, having those patronage dividends uh, being retained, um, we now have a cash play of being able to bring that roughly 20 to $25 million worth of cash back in-house by better managing the inventory, which is the same way the big wholesalers do. They're big cash generators, yeah. and we're no different. We have to work on cash flow, and what that will allow us to do is to be able to redeploy that that money into the development of the products that I talked about a little bit earlier on that ecosphere to bring a, an easy button for all these things that are hitting independent pharmacies. Now, got to be huge efficiencies in terms of just rent and you know equipment, equipment maintenance, and then obviously turns. You're turning your inventory better now because it's all in one place. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. It was it was a, a little bit more expensive because we're we're now flying to the West Coast rather than from Phoenix. Um, but everything's overnight air. Um, so we were, it was roughly a four or five hundred thousand uh, dollar incremental expense to that. But between the duplicative inventory of $30 million, plus the rent, as you mentioned, you got all that staffing management, inventory control, licensing, heat, light power. It was it was kind of a no brainer. And we were also able to work with our, our delivery partners, which was important to get a later Only pickup in order to be able to make West Coast. Oh, and that, yeah. that worked out with, uh, with our trading partner, UPS, Sorry. who actually has two shuttles, one that goes to Madison Airport and another shuttle yeah. that goes to their Rockford, uh, Illinois uh, major hub uh, in order to make that connection. So it had to be a little creative, but, uh, well, you know, they, they did a great job for us and, uh, we haven't missed a step. I don't think anybody like, even knows it's not coming out of, uh, out of Phoenix anymore. Sounds like your warehousing and operations experience is going to be put to good use at IPC. So that's good news. Yeah, absolutely. So, and we're, we're currently working on some other things. We're working at looking at an automation package in order to be able to put yeah. more density and, and more throughput in through shorter hours, not a real labor savings, but a, an opportunity savings for hours and, um, those are the exciting things that we have, uh, you know, on the horizon here in short order. Well, I, I want to give Todd an opportunity to jump in here and ask a question or two. Um, he's sitting here silently <laughs> absorbing all of this, but uh, I, I guess the big thing I want to ask you to do and, and do it is um, scholarly or as gentlemanly as possible. Uh, we got thousands of pharmacy owners listening to my show some of whom I guess are not IPC members. So um, would, would there be a, a, a major unique selling proposition that you would want to propose to people listening today that you would want to invite them to look into your organization? Yeah, so there's, there's a few things. Uh, one that's, as I mentioned, not ready for prime time, but it will be minimum viable product, as they call it in the IT world, will be available um, for us at our trade show on June 22nd, which is also known as Idea Share, which is a McKesson uh, trade show. But for those who are who are not IPC members and where we have a real advantage is not only do we have our warehouse, not only do those profits get reshared with the owners and being an owner just means you're on the IPC contract, whether it's as your own supplemental agreement you would have directly with McKesson at a different economics than our base deal, or if you're on a participation agreement in our base deal uh, that is not committed and you're in that, you're still a member. But what it allows you also access to is, and you may remember this from, from years ago, uh, but it's very still contemporary, is our Pharmacy Select contract. So Pharmacy Select is, a, is roughly a $200 million generic contract that sits below the source program uh, for our members. So what happens is, is that if the source program 
a product is either the wrong product, the wrong NDC, whatever it may, may happen to be, or it's not priced competitively because you know sometimes the wholesalers just don't have the right horse. It happens, it's frequent, and it, it, it's part of sourcing where they don't have the correct horse, uh, you are able to source the pharmacy select contract uh, in the backup position and it completely counts towards your GPR or GCR, which is your compliance metrics with our primary wholesaler, which is extremely, extremely valuable uh, for our members. And uh, so it gives them those alternatives we have 11,000 items on that uh, on that lead. Manufacturers love being on that lead, uh, and it's a great partnership, uh, you know, with those manufacturers to give them opportunities to to put things because you know you'll have a, a molecule that has five manufacturers. Well, only three of them are going to be on source uh, yeah. somewhere, uh, or maybe even less than that if uh, somebody wins two awards. So there's always always somebody banging on our door to get on that program to give that economic. Uh, advantage to an independent owner, it does have a back-end rebate as well. Uh, that rebate is paid directly by uh, IPC to the member. It doesn't go through the primary wholesaler, but all those contracts are loaded and visible um, on their regular platform and ordering system comes into your regular order. You hit the do not sub button on the, on the system and you're able to get access to that. So that's another really, really big advantage um, that we, we, we tout out in the marketplace. We're also probably the most heavily involved in, in and a lot of people have interest in our government affairs and what we're doing out of the marketplace. And then this digital platform, which will be available, will be industry leading availability of all the tools um, that one will need for medical billing, for teledoc, for telepharmacy, for DSCSA, for all of that in one bundled package that's easy and concise because it is a bare to be able to go through all of that stuff in the marketplace. It's it's a bearer for me and and I'm an insider on, the, on, on a lot of that stuff yeah. uh, at these trade shows. I can't imagine for an independent owner who's just trying to take care of his patients and take care of his family or her family, that, that has got to be a, a very stressful situation. And, and we've decided to take that head on. And part of having that warehouse, you know, a lot of that, those IT dollars and things are expensive to do, um, but not having to use member money or owner money and having that that funding mechanism is is a really unique opportunity with IPC, and we're super excited uh, to continue to grow um, with our 2,100 members. The other reason to grow is a lot of those services and products as we go to say uh, go to payers in the future. It's all about hotspots or heat maps or coverage. So the, the more coverage you're able to get, um, so that way as we direct patients and scripts and whatnot within the you know within the communities that come through these digital portals. Uh, that bigger footprint makes us more valuable to payers as they try to build out networks as well, because that's kind of going to be the future. Todd, all yours for a minute. <laughs> well, I know uh, the the market enough to know how competitive it, it is, and I know that our uh, community pharmacies are relying on um, IPC uh, to to be a business partner and to deliver a common denominator and a platform and infrastructure that they can grow from. But what I get most excited about, even though the wholesale industry and the balance between um, generics and, and brands and how important that is uh, to the, to the basis of any community pharmacy, what makes me excited is the additional services that IPC is investing in um, immunization programs, um, special point of care testing, uh, 340B, um, medical billing specifically, getting your community pharmacy as a long-term care provider 
from a home care perspective, not necessarily delivering services to a nursing home, but literally going into the home and becoming a, a conduit of, of better public health. So speak to some of those additional pharmacy services that, that you're offering, uh, Mark, through IPC and, and how this will help to expand and grow our community pharmacies. Certainly. So one of the, some of the biggest things that are that are coming coming down the pike is uh, certainly um, when it comes to the, the point of care testing. So we're we're in the process of making sure that we have CLIA certified laboratories. So that way, as people want to, obviously your your, your point of care testing worthy is a visual thing right there at the pharmacy. You do that with COVID, but there's a lot of tests out there that we're working on specifically and these CLIA certified laboratories. Uh, we're having an ecosystem where you can access. The lab results both back to the pharmacy and to the care provider um, and the patient, um, you know, in a, in a HIPAA compliant type of, a, of an ecosphere and being able to connect a lot of these dots for independence and being able to push them into the ways we need. And even having the kits available, marketed and sold right there in the pharmacy would, and they'll even be in a potentially in a private label uh, IPC uh, yet to be determined, uh, you know, private label or whatever we look at. But it's a matter of expanding those opportunities to be able to not only uh, not only be able to provide the service, but also get paid for it as we're working for the medical billing components, getting those CPT codes and IDK tens in there to make sure that our members can go ahead and properly bill and know how to bill for these particular products, uh, as well as your similarly with remote patient monitoring, how do you get paid for doing that? Yeah. How do you with children caregivers that may live in a different state and their mom is over here, uh, how do you loop the family into these types of things? And those are the developments that are ongoing with what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and uh, we're, we're ready to, you know, make sure that our independent pharmacies have access to everything that a chain could possibly do. And uh, we do have the breadth and depth of, of knowledge and, and capital and infrastructure at IPC to be able to do that with our 170 employees and, and the uh, 2000 members. So, um, we're just looking at to to my earlier statement, and it wasn't my statement. I probably stole it from somewhere on LinkedIn, but it's the future proof of pharmacy. That's yeah. truly our mantra here, and that is what our what we're trying to accomplish with our with our membership. And uh, that was certainly the direction that the board had for me when uh, when they had asked me to to step in. It's we've been great. This has been a, a very successful model. You know where where's the puck going to be? To use a being Canadian, using the Wayne Gretzky analogy, mm -hmm. got to be where the puck. You got to know where the puck's going, and uh, mm -hmm. so that's what they're hoping that I'm going to do, and I'm hoping I'm delivering. So, well, you know the the challenge, optimistic statement that I would make, and I, I consistently hold to this is the future of pharmacy is bright. Um, it's just not what it was. Right. Um, yeah. The you know the I just wrote an article talking about paradigms and the paradigm for successful pharmacy when I got started in this business was fill more scripts. And, uh, and, and I still find myself asking that question when I'm getting acquainted with somebody on a show, you know, tell me about your pharmacy, how many scripts do you fill? Mm -hmm. and, and that's just embedded into our mindset and in cracking that mold with Patient, remote patient monitoring, what an exciting opportunity. Combo med pharmacies, there's just a, the, you know, what, nothing better is needed. Todd's interviewed people who are franchising uh, peep pharmacies to get into the home health care business, the, you know, providing the people who go into the homes. And what a better platform in the world for that business to be built on than behind a, a successful independent pharmacy. There's, you know, there's just a lot of ways to go 
But the thing I'll come back to is if that's just shot out there, you know, and, and presented this way or that way or whatever, you got to be able to paint a picture of the whole thing and sit down with a guy or a, a gal who owns a pharmacy and say, okay, you know, here's 25 things you can do based on who you are, what your marketplace is like, what your personality is. Here's three that I suggest you get started with and then have somebody. And that's where your field reps come in, have somebody who can hold their hand or kick them in the butt and, and get them moving. Cause it's a combination of a, they got to make the change. Um, it's no longer optional, but the, the change is here. And fortunately it's a very attractive change. You're going to get closer to your patients and uh, be more valuable to them. And there's ways to get paid for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we're seeing uh, Bruce is that um, with the change in consumer buy habits and the, comfort level that people have in digital space, whether it's digital interactions or, um, you know, digital buying, a lot of the new and younger pharmacists, uh, not that older pharmacists don't keep contemporary, but aren't maybe have some of that passion for some of that digital space. I know I'm not very great at it. My daughter still helps me with my iPad. Hmm. But what I do see is that a lot of these younger pharmacists coming out of college that are into the, you know, the NACP, uh, you know, buyers uh, ownership programs or, or trying to look at new people coming into the industry. They're extremely excited about this new paradigm to use your word um, of where this could go and how do they, you know, how do they serve their community in a better way uh, in terms of access to all the critical care that is lacking in some of these underserved neighborhoods or rural communities to be the point, you know, first point of contact and the most trusted professional in the, in the space. And that's always been there. It's now just reaching out to the next generation of pharmacists as well as the next generation of consumers in order to, how do we, how do we consolidate a lot of this? And a lot of it too, it was in part of what we're trying to do is understanding. And this comes from my own personal experiences of having parents that, uh, you know, you worry about and that, uh, how do we get them in the ecosphere where the caregiver child is able to be a part of this process and have access to this information and have access to these relationships with the primary caregiver, the primary pharmacy, you know, and the parent. And so those are the types of things we're also working on that I think will be important to bridge that, that gap as we move forward. Well, uh, you know, I, I think we're coming to the end here. I would want to just reiterate the easy way for people to find out more about IPC is to go to the internet or go to the web. Their uh, web address is IPC, Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, just IPCRX.com. And um, uh, Mark and his team will be happy to chat with you and tell you what they're doing. And I know they've got people in the field who can come by and visit with you face to face. So, um, Todd, any last words? Or Mark, any last words? And then we'll sign off and, and uh, thank everybody for listening today. No, I think uh, I think it's it's time to level up as a pharmacy owner. So if you are not a um, a member of a buying group that is saturated with existing owners that can come up with ideas internally, I think of IPC as, like I said, the infrastructure for creativity. IPC has to give their members a stability to grow based on what is today. Okay, but. IPC's members are going to be the creative ones to inventing the pharmacy of the future. 
So they're going to continue to bring services and 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 reform and um and 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 products and ideas and digital therapeutics, pharmacogenomics, a bunch of the stuff. And when they're vetted by existing members who know if it works or not, now it gets to be marketed and pushed through the IPC. I, I think it's brilliant that it's an owner, it's an it's a pharmacy owned buying group because now it's it's almost like we get to laboratory ideas, make sure that they work, and then they're pushed out through um, IPC's reach. Um, all the while sustaining and helping pharmacies to do the basics in order to stay in business. And I think that that combination is is what the future of pharmacy is. Think of the way this is going to look. I absolutely agree. I think the future is absolutely bright. Um, I wouldn't have not have left a, a successful 25 year career. It will sound um, good. You know, where I was in order to <clears throat> bring on something that A, I wasn't passionate about. So the audio. B, I didn't think that had sustainability. And, and C was one thing that we, we couldn't all collectively, and, and even non IPC members, just the independent pharmacy community in general, can't continue to grow and, and, and really. Uh, thrive uh, to an earlier point that was made about uh, independent pharmacy in the infrastructure, health infrastructure of the nation. It's exciting. Um, it's it's going to be uh, you know one that's going to continue to grow, but it does have its hurdles and challenges as we talked about with the DIR hangover and those types of things that we need to prepare ourselves for. But we are also getting a lot of traction at the state levels and even at the federal level. Yeah, I've already uh, sent status all with this PDF clarity with ADAC pricing. Um, things that were, we are having an impact and we're being listened to. And that's not always in this industry, as I've been here a long time, as you all have, has not always been the case. Um, and now we are starting to see that. And I'm, I'm excited for the future and I'm excited to be at IPC. And thank you very much for, for having me on your show today. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly if anybody ever has any follow-up questions, um, you know, they reach out to you or not, just uh, send them my way. Uh, I love talking. I love talking to folks. Mm -hmm. Um, you can imagine my calendar is, is is pretty full with just meeting people all day because I really don't do anything. I, I kind of just walk around and meet people. <laughs> I physically don't do anything as the as the CEO. I kind of go around and say, how are we working on things and setting out some visions? And that's a great place to be. I'll love to go into a town hall, an all-staff town hall, and uh, and share with them very much what we just shared with you. So, Well, again, congratulations on your appointment. And uh, uh, I, I think you're board has made a, a wonderful selection. And um, my my uh, my motto here at Pharmacy Crossroads and the way I typically always close off is, hey, thanks for listening. And I'm hoping that something that was said and shared here today will inspire pharmacy owners to do more and be better. Yep. So with that, I'll say goodbye for Pharmacy Crossroads. And uh, Todd, you can do what you need to do for this week in pharmacy. <laughs> Well, that's it. This has uh, been in a wonderful episode. One of the first that we've combined another extremely popular show uh, to our community pharmacy owners. That's a sweet spot for me because I know what it does to our public. I know what it does to our 330 million Americans that are out there and how important their pharmacist is uh, seeing their pharmacist nine times their, uh, their primary care. So it's necessary. It's It has to thrive. It has to keep moving. And sometimes it's the only healthcare service that a services that a community has. So um, champions that keep um, keep us alive and thriving, um, like Mark and the IPC team are, are vital. So Mark, thank you so much. And as Bruce said, congratulations on your appointment. And thank we're going to be watching you and supporting you ongoing. I can't wait to work with the IPC team more. 
Uh, I love being here and I uh, hope to, to be uh, with you again here in the future on the channel. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for Bye. listening to This Week in Pharmacy and Pharmacy Crossroads. Thank you.